Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Peak to pit, TJ Pittinger, Allie Peak. It is the end of, I guess, rivalry week, right? We saw a lot of really exciting games, including one that both you and I saw in person, Florida, Florida State. TJ, talk to me about your very first experience in Florida's press box. It was pretty cool. Um, I'll say, listen, I know you're going to just roll your eyes. and Florida State's press box blows it away. For a couple of reasons. Number one. Your erector set? I doubt it. Number one. And when you say erector set, like that's essentially what the Florida press box is. It's just open I, air. Listen, I've been in both it's, press boxes. It's this just not it's uh, open air. And with the wind and the tunnel, it was very cold. Like it, the press, like there's no sun. So you don't get the sun benefit of the noon game. It is freezing cold because it's all outside. Whereas Florida right. State's press box for that Miami game, it got down to whatever the temperature was for a night game and perfectly temperature controlled. I prefer not that wind tunnel. Like I like being outside. The outside part was cool. Like that'd be cool in October, late November with the wind just kind of like whipping through there and no sun. I mean, it was cold. And so I mean, Nick, ahead. Nick De La Torre came over. I wore long sleeves, but like, I didn't think it would be that cold. So also the food is much better. They cater Chick-fil-A at FSU. Uh-huh. And I just had like some kind of barbecue wrap or something at at Florida. It wasn't bad, but I mean Chick Fil A is going to win. They had chi- they time. they have catered Chick Fil A before. It's been a while since I've been in the press box, but I have had Chick Fil A at Florida's press box. I can't hear you. I went on mute. I was going to say you with did. the news. I was like, I, your mouth is moving, but I can't hear I you. I can't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. Uh, with yeah. the news of what they're serving players today I, that came out, I'm not super shocked that they're. Uh, we should talk about that cater, too. That they're not catering Chick Fil A, but yeah, any anywhere that serves Chick Fil A, I mean, we could have. I could have been in Miami. Listen, the uh, large Chick-fil-A chicken. Was, I will yeah. take the large chicken anywhere. So, um, but no, I had a good time. It was a cool. It was a cool vantage point. It was. It was yeah. neat to experience it from there. Um, I ran into some different people up there. Um, Graham Harrell. Um, is he still with the Gainesville Sun? I ran into um, obviously Nick De La Torre um, of the Rival site. I ran into RG3. Um, spoke with a few other people. Alex Shepard, who's a photographer for UF, ran into obviously some FSU people as well. So it was cool to see them. It was cool to chat and interact and stuff like that, and yeah. kind of get takes from them as the game was happening. Um, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So no, it was a it was a good experience up there. Um, 
it's just a more, I mean, you took like 18 kids to the game, but like, it's just a more, you don't, it, it's a different perspective. I don't know that I'll do the media box, like the box. So every it's not time my favorite, forever. right? Uh, you're not supposed to cheer one, which makes it very difficult if you cover a team that you're also a fan of, which not everybody does, but some people get that opportunity, which is a super cool opportunity, but it's weird to not celebrate your team's successes um, in that setting, right? Yeah. Um, and there's something about being in the stands with the crazies that is just uh, hard to beat, right? I kind of feel the same way about sitting in a box. I am not a fan of sitting in a box outside of the fact that it's great to have alcohol you know without having to wait in line and whatnot but outside of that i would i honestly would rather watch football at home than watch football in a box yeah so the the pros there are definitely pros and cons to it mm -hmm. like yes you know it had been very very neat to be down you know in the uh in the stands for right. some of Florida State's games. I mean, I, I, I covered three Florida State games, went to three Florida State games, and all three were three-point games, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of excitement, a lot of back right. and forth, um, you know. But there are definitely pros. Um, just getting to see things a second time, you know, having the TVs kind of right there in front of you, having your, you know, being able to see who's going off the locker room, who's coming back, who's, you know, there, there is just a different aspect of kind of, you know, getting to see it from that bird's eye view right. as opposed to like kind of a weird angle or, you know, somebody drunk next to you or whatever. So right. there are definitely pros and cons to it. I don't know that I would do the box thing every single time for the sure. rest of my life. Um, it was a, uh, like at Florida state, I have season tickets. And so sure. any game that I want to just go sit down in the stands, I mean, I can. And, right. and so it was a good way if Florida state would have won, and they made the bowl game, I probably would have – it probably would have been my way to go to a bowl game because I, you know, I don't want to just buy a single ticket. You know, sure. So, um, anyway, so, yeah, there, there are definitely pros and cons to it, but I can't say that it's – I can't say that it's better than sitting in the stands. But it's it, not, it was right. A, it was a neat perspective, um, and it's just a little bit different. Yeah. Um, it also makes me behave a little bit better and um, – get home in one piece. So that's a, that's another pro. There's a win for Kara. <laughs> so anyway, um, before we get too far into that and we'll try to keep people too long tonight, we appreciate those that are tuned in. Hey, the, um, we used to be able to like put comments up here. Like when people are watching, like we could, mm -hmm. well, I never did a live show with you when it actually worked, but used to, okay. So like this little thing here, like if somebody put a comment, yeah. they would show it on the screen. They, the Twitter functionality is kind of messed up recently. Okay. So, eventually people will be able to comment and watch. We do pretty good numbers on Twitter on this. And so um, hopefully that's something that comes back yeah. around the beginning of the year. Cause that would be a ton of fun to take questions and interact with people, but just stick with us. It's coming back eventually. Um, all that said, how was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was good. Uneventful. Always nice. when you have an uneventful family holiday. Um, yeah, I don't know. We've had like a, I feel like a down week. It's which has been great because our our yeah, normal life is to like run ninety five miles an hour all day every day until we go to sleep. Like the kids have eighty seven million activities. I over volunteer myself on like ninety five million things. I sign Eric up and he gets mad about being voluntold to do stuff. Like you know he has to work to like pay for our life somewhere in between there. So this was kind of nice. They, the girls only had gymnastics on Monday and Tuesday of the week. 
no school, no other activities, didn't have to go out of town. So like the only thing that we did was go to Gainesville on Saturday. So it felt very calm, uh, which is nice. I think we, we all kind of needed that before we jump back into the craziness of the Christmas season, but we took all four kids to Gainesville. So our two seven-year-olds and our two, two-year-olds, it's our two-year-olds first football game. Um, they were like little tiny angels. They actually were gator chomping and cheering. Um, they were, they're just so good. And honestly, Hadley and Hayden were wild as hell. They still are wild as hell. Like they have been their whole life. But when we first took them, they were about two. and people asked us how we trained them to cheer when the football game was going on and do gator chomps. I'm like, that's just literally ingrained in you. That's not any training that like you're born into that, but it was nice to see that the babies had that too. And it's fun. Hadley and Hayden have gone to several games with us this year. Um, and it's fun to listen to them ask questions. Like almost every play, Eric's like, okay, what down a distance is it? And they know now and they can repeat it back to us. And so like, you know, I, that, uh, has been really fun to watch because that's how I was when I was little, right? Like I sat and watched football with my dad. He taught me about the game. I cried if Florida lost. I probably knew more than, you know, 90 people in the stands by the time I was 10 years old. So it's very neat to see them be into it as well. Hadley's into it slightly more than Hayden. Hayden's a little bit more into like the cheerleaders or, you know, the baton twirlers if it's on fire or like something like that. But she asks a lot of questions. So like she's, she's, she's interested. Um, but it was fun. It was really, it was really, uh, uh, cool to have all four of them there cool. work out. My arms are like on fire still from holding somebody for four hours straight, but Eric, uh, or oh, well, kids. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. um, well, moving on from the game, um, we want to talk, um, we're going to recap the fact just, that Florida, <laughs> just, no, no, you're not US taking this from me. Um, no. Okay. I'll let you go first. You, you guys won Florida one, uh, 24, 21. Um, it is thoughts. nice to know that even without a coaching staff, um, and being at a real low point that we can still beat Florida state. Um, yeah. But, you know, in all seriousness, that was a fun game to watch, right? It was competitive back and forth. Now, when I say competitive, it doesn't mean that, like, either of these two teams would be particularly competitive with pretty much anybody else. But they were competitive with each other. I saw Mm -hmm. a ton of fire from both teams, which I think when you're talking about – and I I know that they're fighting for bowl eligibility, but, like, it's not that exciting to play for a five and six team. It doesn't matter who the team is. doesn't matter who the coach is. It's not – that exciting to be on a five and six team. So the fact that both of these teams played as hard as they did um, is impressive. I thought it was fun. I love the back and forth. Like this is a great rivalry. This is one of the best rivalries in college football. I think that players on both sides know that and appreciate that, which sometimes, uh, sometimes I wonder, you know, how these younger kids feel about the rivalries. Do they feel the same way that we as alumni or as, you know, an older generation than them feel about rivalries. But I think that it's pretty evident that they do. Um, And it was, I mean, it was a fun game. And obviously it's always fun when you win, but I was really impressed with the fire that I saw. I was really impressed with Florida's defense. I have such respect for Christian Robinson, watching him with each of his guys on the sidelines was really, really cool. Really special. I, if Florida doesn't find a way to retain him, whoever gets him uh, is getting somebody that really connects with his players and who really cares about them. And you can see that on the sidelines. And I love that. Didn't love watching a few players take selfies with fans during the game. I, um, 
kind of hope that sideline discipline is something that is brought back in the next season because that's it is hard for me to fathom that you're playing your your rival this game is on the line and you're more concerned about taking a selfie with somebody in the stands behind you so again didn't love that but uh overall it was fun and it's great to pull out the win and I think that it's important for Florida to get these extra practices in bowl season and let's go I'm excited to see where this team heads yeah, no, I thought it was a good game. Um, actually, I thought it was a bad game, but it was exciting. It <laughs> was teams, a fun game, neither, right? Like, yeah, neither team neither is putting on a sharp. football clinic, right? Um, but it was competitive I, between the two of them. Yeah, I honestly thought that both teams played each other as absolutely evenly as you can. Like, I thought yeah. – I didn't I didn't think that one team – I honestly – and you're going to disagree because that's just what you do, and I get that. I didn't think that one team outplayed the other. Um, I thought that Florida State, uh, I mean, if you look at the box score, the box scores were nearly identical. One team had 218 passing yards. One team had 203. One team had 145 rushing yards. One team had 139. They had one very team similar. never led though, right? Uh, it was tied for more than half of the game. So, uh, yeah. But if you have a take after this, I'm, I'm happy to hear it though. Mm -hmm. When you look at all of the stats, they all line up. Turnovers were exactly the same. Time of possession was the same. Yardage was the same. I thought that Florida State's um, mistakes came at a little bit more detrimental times. Um, I thought that Florida State's turnovers gave Florida short fields, and they turned those into points. And Florida's turnovers, fortunately enough for them, came when the best player on Florida State's roster was in the locker room for the most part. And I think that's kind of – that was unfortunately – unfortunate timing for Florida State. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, if you kind of flip fields and you give Florida State the ball – like if Florida muffs a punt, right, and Florida State gets the ball at the other 30 and you take away Florida State's muff and, you know, like Florida did, throw an a interception in the end zone – not all turnovers are created equal is, right. is maybe the, the take that I have here. I thought both teams played very evenly. I think this box score says that. I think the final score says that. I mean, nothing says that either team dominated the other team. I think that Florida State made a little bit more detrimental of mistakes. I think that all of Florida's turnovers happened and gave Florida State long fields, mm -hmm. and two of Florida State's gave – uh, Florida pretty short fields back to back possessions, yeah. and I think Florida did a great job of capitalizing on those. Right, uh, but, you know, Florida didn't do anything. You know, I'm not taking away from Florida. I think that Florida State, like somebody, this was somebody's game to lose, and Florida State blew it. I think so, if the I think if the muffed punt doesn't happen, I think both teams throw punches all the way down to the end. Yeah. Because at well, that point, so at that point, it was a at that point it was a three score game. Oh, three score game. It was a three point game. Florida State had Florida punting from their own end zone, and if they don't muff a punt, they probably have field position around the fifty. And well, then, it was a sixty one you know, yard punt. So. Great punt. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, and I, I agree with you. I think that was yeah, the turning point in that this was game. The absolute turning um, point when when you and so when you're looking at having possession around midfield down three. Right. And you fumble it around your own 30. Yeah. And the other team scores to go up 10. That, that was pretty much it. Right. So, so 
I think this, so I agree with you about the box score. I agree with you what the turning point of the game was. Where I disagree is, I don't know how you felt in the stands, but there was never really a point in time where I felt like Florida was going to lose the game. So I don't know if there was ever truly a moment that Florida State fans felt like they for sure were going to win the game. Right. So, that would be the uh, opposite of that. There was never yeah, a point I don't know, where I was like, the oh muffed- my God, we're not going to win this. Yeah, but did you did you when it when we muffed the punt and you were punting from your own end zone and it's a mm-hmm. three-point game and you're kind of assuming that Florida State's probably about to get the ball mm-hmm. around midfield. I mean, right. I don't think you felt at that moment that you were for sure gonna win the game. So I, I feel think you like- I think you felt I mean and I so I won't speak for you. At that moment, right. for me, mm-hmm. I felt like it was anybody's game. I felt so like at that moment I in a three-point like- game. It was, when it was a coin it, toss. I feel like when it was tied, um, it was so early on that there's never, I'm, I, and, uh, yes, that it's never, unless you're talking about being down by four scores or more, there wasn't, there's never really a time in the first half for me personally that I ever feel like something's insurmountable, right? So there was never, I didn't really have a strong feeling. I mean, I definitely never felt like Florida was going to lose, but there definitely wasn't a real strong feeling the entire first half, right? So it's not until you get into that second half that you start to have those feelings about how you feel one way or the other based on the score. And there just was never a moment where it ever felt overly concerning, right? I yeah, honestly feel like I, I felt think like it felt like that more before the game started. Yeah, and I think that was, was I think that was probably due to the fact that it was a it was a tie game and a three point game until yeah. that happened. I I don't know where anyone has ever felt whether they were up by three or down by but three. Do you think that Florida no, State? Uh, hold on, hold on. What one sec? Come back. I don't know that anybody up by three or down by three in the third quarter has ever felt like a game was over one way or the other. Did you feel like Florida state was in control at that moment? No, I thought it was anybody's game. So I never really felt like Florida was out of control. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Florida state did a really, really good job of, um, did you freeze or did I freeze? You still see me? I don't know if you froze or if I did. You still there? I'll try and keep rolling. Did you freeze or me? I don't see Ali moving. Um, She's going to die on this hill, though, that they were... All right, we're back. All right, I think we got it back. I idea what happened, but here we are. But anyway, okay. Yeah. So no, I never felt I never felt like Florida State was in control. Okay. Um, because they because you're right, they didn't lead. But I in in a three point game with possession with the ball supposedly around midfield, like I still think that's anyone's game. I just looked up the ESPN win percentage mm-hmm. when you guys were punting. Obviously, before the muff, they had yeah. it at sixty percent Florida. Right, so I mean, slightly better than a coin. Sure. Play. So yeah, I don't think that I don't think any team that is like I said up or down three points midway through the third quarter has ever felt like the game was over either way. Right. right? But I felt good. I, I honestly did feel good about it. 
And the biggest, I, I felt, I felt like, and here's what I told you the other day. I, I predicted kind of a wild score, just kind of being facetious or whatever, but, you know, kind of said like, this is going to come down to the fourth quarter. And that's really what I thought would happen mm-hmm. when I will say that the game, the game changed not only on that uh, muffed punt, but the game changed when Travis was able to come back into the game, right? right. When he came back into the game after the injury, he let us down on a um, – he was out of the game for three drives and Florida state had one turnover and two, three and outs. He comes back in and leaves Florida state on a drive of 68 yards for a touchdown. He comes back in um, at the very end of the half and leads Florida state on a 53 yard drive. Now we don't get anything out of that because he didn't get down in time for the clock, but I thought we were moving the ball well with Jordan Travis at halftime. And so when you guys, um, we're going to punt there. I thought it was, any, I thought it was anybody's game. I mean, I think he has, I mean, you were winning. So I think you right. had a higher probability to win, but I don't think that the game was decided by any means. I don't think that either team with Florida state down three, mm-hmm. getting the ball back. I don't think either team was concerned. Okay. I also don't think any, either team thought the game was over. I mean, do you feel yeah. like one of those two things is true? Um, I don't think that either team played as though the game was over. My point is that I just, uh, I don't feel like this game, that Florida was ever not in control, truly. I don't, I, this game never, there was, there's lots of games where I'm concerned, where I feel like it can yeah, go either way. I don't and know. this game just didn't I give me those feels at all. Yeah, I don't know how you define wasn't not in control. I, I don't know what that means. All I know yeah. is that I think both teams, you know, and that's fine. I'm okay with you having that take. My take still remains that both teams played each other evenly and Florida state made more metric detrimental mistakes. Like okay. I, I think that's a very fair take. I mean, I don't think yeah. that, you know, I think when both teams have three turnovers in a game, I think they're both playing each other about as poorly as they can do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't think that one team's significantly outplaying the other. Um, if we want to talk about specific quarterback play, I do think Jordan Travis was the best quarterback in the game. I know Craig likes when we get on that. I mean, I listen, I, I think that he was a serviceable to good quarterback. I think that Anthony Richardson I think he was the- had some great uh, plays as well. I think he was clearly better than Emery. Um, and he wasn't good enough to win. Jordan Travis's QBR was 79.5. Do you want to take a guess at what Anthony Richardson's was? No clue. 79.5 out of 100. Anthony Richardson's mm-hmm. was 8.7. Shut the front door. Interesting. No. So, yeah. Man, so no quarterback, down three coaches, and they still figured out how to win. Interesting. Yeah, the, the down three coaches thing is definitely interesting. Um, what's wild is I know that that plays well, like as a troll. Um, it's not a troll. That's a fact. It, yeah, I know it sounds great, but the two um, – the two counterpoints to that is Florida was a three-point favorite going into this game mm-hmm. and one by three. Well known that the coaches would not be there, right? I mean, um, Vegas predicted Florida to win by 10 the previous so, games. Like, so uh, Vegas, Vegas has been high Vegas, predicting Vegas Florida got all it. season. So, but Vegas got it right, right? Good. Well, after three weeks of getting it so, terribly wrong, I'm glad they got it so right. Florida was expected to win it's this like game. like they're paid to do this. Um, right. Florida was expected to win this game, sure. knowing that it ain't coaches. And the biggest problem with Florida football was gone on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You guys lose that game with Mullen. Without I a don't doubt. agree with that. but I think you guys absolutely – I don't know if okay. Mullen goes to Richardson. 
I think his low, I, you know, so yeah, I don't know. You guys might have six turnovers in this game now for that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that the, uh, I know the coaching thing is overhyped, you know, and it, it's exciting. And it's fun to say, but I, you know, I don't, I don't know how much of an impact it had. I know that, uh, I mean, not, I think being I down your play caller, your defensive coordinator and your offensive line coach is a, a struggle, if nothing else, because then every single coach on that field has a job, right? You are literally using a GA, no matter, no matter what you think of Florida's offensive line, 0% chance a GA has more knowledge than Hennessy has, you, period, now, no matter what. So Going here's the biggest, here's the biggest color, thing. No matter who it is, is an adjustment and a change. That's difficult. Having a different defensive caller, regardless of what you think of the previous one, is a change. That is difficult. Those are not things that, that made the mechanics of the game easier. Even if you think that this team played with more heart because Mullen was gone, they played more loose because Mullen is gone or whatever else, the actual X's and O's of that game got more difficult because they were down coaches, no matter who those coaches were. And as Kirby Smart said, it's much less about the X's and O's. And it's way, wow. way more about the Jimmys and Joes. No, we've always said that on this show, right? We so yes. did it did it get tougher with those guys out? Yes. Was That's Florida's, all I'm saying. Was Florida's talent gap still the talent gap? Absolutely. And Absolutely. so that's the issue. Also, sure. and I'm not also with that. I I think that again, I don't know. I don't know how you quantify the level of difficulty with a few coaches being gone mm -hmm. and quantify the difference in effort level that we saw from Florida in this game compared to some other games like Samford, like mm -hmm. South Carolina. Um, the effort level was better this week than it had been against several of Florida's other opponents when other voices were in that locker room. So I don't know how you quantify both sides. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that they're equal, but I, I, you know, it sounds yeah. good to say you lost without a coach. I know that I know it's a fun troll. It, it sounds, it's a it fact. Sounds, it sounds a lot of, what you guys do have is you guys do have a coach. Now we do. Florida has a new coach. Yeah. Um, Florida took a page right out of the Florida state playbook and went and found a group of five coach that they are hoping will lead them to prominence mm -hmm. and hired Billy Napier. Yes. Thoughts so on Billy I do. Napier? Well, first of all, I want to make a correction to myself. Last week I said uh, Louisiana Tech because that's just ingrained in my brain. I have an uncle played there. He coached at Louisiana Lafayette. So it drove me literally nuts for a week when I listened back and realized that I had said that instead. So need to do that self-correction there. But um, okay, so here's my, my thing about head coaches, right? I think about head coaching hires, particularly ones that are unproven in your conference, a lot like I look at recruiting uh, commitments and signings. I think they're necessary, one. I think they're exciting. I think that I reserve full judgment until I see product on the field, right? Um, but I'm excited about this hire. I, I, I'm going to go all in on whoever Florida signs as their coach, right? This is my team. This is now my guy. I, until proven otherwise, I'm going to bat for him. Um, an interesting resume. He is, has both been under Dabo and under Saban. Um, 
He also has been under Jim McElwain, which is a previous Florida coach. I like the things that we hear out of Louisiana. I like the process that was followed. I like um, compared to some of the other stuff that we've seen, right? I love the fact that he was able to tell his team before it broke. I love the fact that he's coaching in his conference championship game. I like the fact that there, I've not seen publicly at least anybody come out and say anything negative. And there's been a lot of really positive things about the way he does things. Um, I am interested to see who he brings in for his staff. I think that that's critical. I think I would not love to see a ton of guys follow him from Louisiana Lafayette. And that's no offense to Louisiana Lafayette. I just want to see some big names that I know, know the area and can recruit um, SEC caliber players. Right. So really interested to see who he calls as his two coordinators. I'm pretty sure he said he will be the play caller on offense. Um, That is what he does at Louisiana Lafayette. But I obviously, whoever he brings in for offensive coordinator, it's still very important. He needs some bang-up recruiters. He apparently has awesome relationships with Louisiana high school coaches. That's important for two reasons. One, they've got a lot of talent. It'd be great to pull talent from there. Two, any talent we do pull from there is talent that LSU doesn't get from their state, and they do have that state on lockdown at the moment. So two positives there. Um, December 5th is his first day on the job. Interested to see his press conference but I do like what I have seen so far. Um, how, in all seriousness, because I'm going to troll you a little bit on this, um, but sure. how long, like what are the expectations with this hire? Like how long does he um, have? How well does he need so, to do? Because the last guy took you guys to three straight sure. um, New Year's Six Bowls and then got fired. He had a bad for, year and got like, fired. Well, yeah. I have uh, not know, been – quiet about the fact that I didn't think that Dan Mullen should get fired. I would have given Dan Mullen more, more time. Right. I, in my opinion, what we did was punt on third down. So as the punter's wife here, you know, I'm going to make a special teams. Analogy. I will say punt it on like third and 25. Like it was a yeah, long, it was a long third. It was like third. Down. It wasn't sure, it like wasn't third, third and one. one. Right. Right, right, right. right. It wasn't. Right. I agree it was with so that. Bad. We can call it thir- third and 25, but you punted early. So what you hope happens is that the returner fumbles the ball, right? And if that happens, you look like a genius. It was the smartest decision you could have made. Um, I think that, I think honestly that he will be given slightly more of a leash than Dan will. I don't think that that's necessarily fair at all, but I think that Florida. Well, he's not as good as coaches. Dan is now he may end up being one day, but I mean, he's not, but his as, resume you know. doesn't speak the same. Um, I think that Florida needs, um, a culture change. I've talked to a lot of different people within the program um, in this past week and got some, you know, really interesting feedback. And honestly, a lot of it wasn't negative about Dan per se. A lot of it had to do with attitudes of players. Um, it had to do with personality conflicts, like things that aren't necessarily negatives when not together, if that makes sense. But I think, um, I think there needs to be top to bottom change. I think there needs to be a massive overhaul with the kind of emphasis that is put on recruiting from above the head coach's pay grade. And I think that um, I'll be interested to see the exact terms of contract when they are released. Um, Florida has not released any information about Napier's contract, which is really interesting because we know basic details of Brian Kelly's of Lincoln Riley of some of these other ones. We know essentially nothing about Florida's, but what I have heard, I is assume that that's because he's going to coach in his conference championship game. Probably, probably he's not, he's not truly 
an employee yet. Right. And I mean, as a state employee in a state with sunshine laws, like we'll know eventually, right? Give it a few days, we'll know. But from what I have been told, he was very specific about the demands that he needed. And a lot of those included a larger budget for assistance um, and a larger budget for recruiting, not just for going on the road, but also for the number of people that he wants to staff on his recruiting staff. And these are commitments that no previous coach from Florida had from the university. Um, I don't know. I'd have to look back through Mullen's contract and, you know, Meyer and McElwain and things like that. I'm sure they all made individual requests, but as far as I know that what I've been told is the things that he's requesting um, Florida has never granted to anyone else before. So if that's true, that's exciting because Florida does need to kind of recommit themselves to be able to compete on the level of some of the other, these other schools. Now, the cool thing is our bajillion dollar facility is supposed to open in 2022 next spring. That will be huge uh, for, for recruiting. That'll be huge for our players that are there. It's going to be state of the art, which means it'll probably only be state of the art for 18 months because then somebody else will build the newest and coolest. But at least for a little bit, it's going to be the biggest and baddest thing going. Um, that's a huge advantage for him. But I, you know, the expectations are high, but an entire culture change is needed. The fact that he's getting supposedly all of the support from administration that it, that he feels is necessary to be successful here is great to hear. Um, but there's a lot to be seen, right? So far he said all of the right things, but now we got to go to work and see, you know, how saying the right things plays out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I will I think say, I, I, sorry, I want to throw this in there real quick. So I think there are two trains of thought of how you can go for a head coach during um, this year. I do not believe that there are that many big name coaches that are established that would be a great fit at Florida. That is, that was a factor in me. Or not that would wanting want to, to come to Florida. No, Florida was the best job available. I'm not, that's no, that is not a concern for me at all. Do you know how many articles were written about how this is the best job available? Like, I don't even think. By that's... Florida writers? Like, no, on, no, no, that's not even like, that's legitimately no, not even Florida debatable. Florida was not the best job available. Yes, it is. Get Name a better job. LSU was a better LSU's job. LSU is not a better job. They don't LSU, have more money. And that's they, why they went. I mean, they're paying their coach a lot more than you guys are. Okay. Well, we're going to get to that hire, but that is a desperation hire, first of okay. all. All and right. also, All right. that's Notre fine. That's Dame fine. reporters are reporting that that Kelly called Florida interested in their job, and they said no. And that's not Florida reporters reporting it. That's Notre Dame reporters reporting that. Oh, I I don't I don't know what to so, tell you. I, this is I what I'll that, tell you. Florida I know, had. Too I know much. that if I had, I know that if I had to pick between Brian Kelly and Billy Napier, I'm taking Brian Kelly. It's not even close. Like you guys, like people can point to his, you know, oh, he's failed a lot in the playoff. Well. He's one of like 10 coaches that's ever even made the playoffs. So like, let's relax, you know, like, I mean, are you willing take to pay him $12 million over. Dollars or whatever? Do you think he's worth $12 million? I think when you look at the revenue that these schools bring in, I don't, I don't have any problem with coaching okay. salaries at all. Well, this is, this is the point I'm going to make. I think there were two streams of thought for how you go in this coaching search. There is not a name that I thought was a, re a legitimate option for any job that was available that Super, super excites me. That was at an established Lincoln Riley. Major. Wouldn't have excited you? We'll get to Lincoln Riley too. No, no. And his all these guys that have all these guys that have made the playoff like aren't good enough. You want to take a gamble on how many national on, titles do they have collectively? How many? How many national titles does Bill, uh, uh, Billy Napier have? 
how many opportunities has he had? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you just, every year he's coached. Can I make my point? Sure. Here's my point. I think there's two ways that Florida could go, right? You could pay a hundred million dollars for a a name that probably doesn't necessarily fit into our culture, but a Lincoln Riley or a Brian Kelly, you know, or whatever, or you could pay less. And that's, this is my assumption that they're paying less. So maybe this is wrong. We don't know the contact details, but you can pay less. He's absolutely getting paid less than Brian Kelly. Right. Which would be my assumption, assumption, but there's only so much money, right? So if let's say there's a hundred million dollars, I think that this particular situation that Florida is in, it is smart to pay, let's say $80 million towards a head coach and use that 20 million towards recruiting and building your staff and to, than it is the to blow your whole load on Whoa. your head coach. <laughs> Language. I think they were trying to hold some money back for like to upgrade the lunches that they're giving the players before games and stuff like that. Um, which which sounded like, sounded so like um, absurd. I talked to multiple Walmart, people. Like, it's not like Walmart brand Lunchables. Yeah. It's not like great, uh, great value Lunchables at UF right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but here, so Brian Kelly. Brian, okay. So I, I don't know. Brian Kelly is a good coach. Brian Kelly is a top, Brian Kelly Brian is Kelly a good is, coach. That Brian, is Kelly's a, Brian Kelly is a top 10 coach in college football. Without a doubt. Mm. Absolutely. I don't know that I think top 10. He is a good coach. I do not think he is a great coach. He is not a more money than Saban, which obviously Saban's contract's about to get adjusted, uh, coach. He also is from Massachusetts. I wish I could be a fly on the wall. I retweeted a tweet earlier today that was talking about him being on the bayou while the band is playing neck and these drunk Cajuns are going nuts in the stands. I wish I could see his face. The culture that he is stepping into is like fitting a square peg in a round hole. It is. And the only way that you survive that culture is to win and win immediately. So his rope is going to be about this long. So he's a great recruiter. He's a good coach whose team is always in it. I, I know that it's, it's a weird culture thing, but he's always had limitations as far as the kind of kids that can, can get into Notre Dame. Right, I think he's right. a very, very good coach. Um, I would put him in in the top 10 for what he continues to do year after year after year. Notre Dame, the fact that they reel off 10-win season after 10-win season sure. after 10-win season, and they're they're not like us. They right. Notre Dame does not schedule FCS teams. Like where we always get like two cupcakes a year. Sanford well, that's because they and, don't play in a conference. So that, I mean, no, they've never, but they, yeah. And they've never played in a conference, but they've never scheduled. Like they've, they've never played an FCS school. Like that's just like a pride thing that they have. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So like, and they play the Michigans and the Southern cows and the Stanford every year. They, you know, they play now in the ACC. So they played at Florida state this year. They play Clemson every third year. So I think that what he's been able to do is he's a top 10 coach, in my opinion. If you want to put him in your top 15, I don't know where yeah. you put him. I mean, I but think he's, he's a, a really good coach. He's I don't a good, think proven coach. Is, I think that the culture fit is weird, but this is what I think, right? He was making $2.7 million at Notre Dame. He is going to make in two years what would take him almost 10 to make it Notre Dame. If he coaches two years and they give him the Ed O treatment, it doesn't matter. He's like all right, I just got $22 million. See you guys. I'm going to walk into retirement. That's why this job makes sense for Brian Kelly. It doesn't make sense for Brian Kelly in any other aspect. 
I think he's a good recruiter. I think if he wanted to get his ass kicked by Saban every year instead of every four years, I guess this is the way to do it. But the 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 deal is money talks. But I think that it's a, so a weird the other- fit, and I find it hard to believe unless he stumbles upon a Joe Burrow that he is going to have the kind of success at LSU that people think that he will. The fact that he's still he's ten years into his uh reign at Notre Dame and he's still plucking quarterbacks out of the portal because he can't recruit one that he can groom to run his system is telling. I think the fact that he gets to the playoffs and routinely gets his ass kicked is telling. I do think that he struggled with being able to recruit who he wanted to recruit because you got to have a 1300 on the SAT and, you know, go to church on Sundays to be a recruit at Notre Dame. So I get the limitations that he had there. And I think that he did well, especially with the limitations that he had. I just don't think that the kind of success that LSU expects is going to happen. And I think that if you don't have the Ed O twang, your rope is even shorter. So it's just a bizarre fit unless all think, you look at is the money. I don't think they win national championships, which I know that that's the expectation. But that's the expectation. But I, I mean, it's the expectation at Florida, and you guys haven't they done that. They fired a coach one year after winning a national title. So that's the I, expectation there. But they're going to be a consistent threat. I don't know that they. I, I don't know that I would pick any coach right now that gets hired to come in and unseat. Yeah, save it. You know, I mean, it's a hard. It's, so, it's, but so they had to hire somebody. But, so, I, but if you're LSU, who, then who could and they you have hired? So, two questions: you, Who could they have hired that would be better? Who would have been a better sure thing? Was there a sure thing out there? I, well, I don't think there's any sure thing this college football season. I don't think so, that there's any sure they, thing so out there. I do you think they could have made a better hire? Yeah, I do. Who would that and I Well, first of all, LSU got left at the altar by Lincoln Riley. I talked to multiple big names. You don't LSU like that hire either, though, it sounds who, like. so. I think it's a better fit, though. Let me tell you why. I think that Wait, wait. Before, LSU, we, go this, before we go do this, I want to – you talked about the culture fit. I want to go back to this because mm-hmm. I want to get this in. Ohio State – Illinois State, Colorado State, Notre Dame, Bowling Green, Utah. None of those are if located a coach, in the southeastern if, United if a, States. Correct. So if a coaching coach did all of those and then come to the southeast, what would you say about his culture fit? I would say it's a damn good thing that Urban Meyer caught lightning in a bottle. So interesting to me. But also, I don't think UF has the kind of quirky culture that LSU does. I don't know that probably Urban Meyer not. is successful like that at LSU. I don't know if he gets a guy named Tebow and Harvin to committee probably is, you know, Maybe, <laughs> like, you know, with, with how I, I well they recruited to me, that's the biggest thing. It's le- I mean, I know that culture fit and coaches and this, that, and the other, I just at the end of the day, if he can, re- to any other place can, in the country and, I mean, and with every, culture Notre Dame, that, but Notre Dame is unique, you know, with but, what uh, they have to, with what they have to do there. I think that if he can recruit, they'll be fine. Like we yeah. said, it's the Jimmy yeah. and Joes. It well, is one so I mean, right. and he's going to walk into a talented roster, right? Mm-hmm. LSU has had a top five recruiting class without fail, so he's going to walk into a talented roster. Why I think Lincoln Riley would would have been a better fit, even though I don't personally love Lincoln Riley, is that exactly what you said. You said that you don't think anyone's unseating Saban. I agree with that statement, so you can write that down. But knowing that. I go for a young guy that can continue to build my rosters and build my programs while we're essentially waiting saving out, right? What you did instead is hire someone who is almost equally geriatric to Nick Saban. Brian Kelly's not waiting out Nick Saban. 
more than likely. Brian Kelly is not planning for the future because he's on the five-year or less plan before he rides off into the sunset with his bajillion dollars that you paid him. So it'd so be interesting I to see if that's not the route I would have gone, knowing nobody's un- unseating Saban more than likely. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't know that they could have made a better hire. Like, I don't know who would be well, out there. They think they, they could have made a better hire because they thought they were getting Lincoln Riley. And I think Lincoln Riley is a better coach than Brian Kelly. So, yes, I agree. Yeah. I think Lincoln Riley was the best coach on, which we didn't even really know he was on the market. But I think Lincoln Riley right. was the best coach on the market. I think Brian Kelly was the second best coach so on the market. So, here's like, the thing right, about no, I mean, like, Lincoln who, Riley. Who would you rank against? Like, would that be your ranking system? Would it be Lincoln Riley was the best coach on the market and – Brian Kelly second? Like who else is available that's better than either of those? the most proven coach that is on the market. I think Lincoln Riley showed us that he is not a competitor. Lincoln Riley ran. Lincoln Riley had the opportunity to come into the West and go against the big boys every single week because Oklahoma was making that jump. So I'm not even talking about taking the LSU job. I'm talking about he had the opportunity to come into the conference and bang heads against the very best week in and week out. And he chose to run to California where he has an easier route to the playoffs. And that's exactly well, why he took that job. He could have gotten the same money at any other program. He ran. And that I, tells me so I, I don't I want agree. him as my coach. I agree partially. First, we don't necessarily know that Oklahoma would have paid as much as USC. Like I know we you know say like, oh. You would have. We um, know. We saw Brian Kelly's so contract. Second, he left second, LSU would you, with the Walter. Second, would you rather live in Norman, Oklahoma or Southern California? I'd probably kill myself in either location. Uh, so, but, and, but, and, like, but like, but like, but being serious, I mean, I know why too, but like, I think that the USC job is attractive. I think the USC job is know, attractive, is, but I don't think it's more attractive it's than being a easier, coach in the SEC, which he was about to be. Surely is. He left. Because he's scared. He doesn't want to play in the SEC. He chose I mean, the easiest a... path to the playoff over earning it. So and that you... tells me that he's not that big of a competitor. So you know what? Then you don't I need mean, to be a... in the big bad that... conference. You can go play your Stanford's every single week that's and walk definitely... in the playoffs and get steamrolled. Do that's it, That's definitely a wild take. But I don't, care if take. Mc... I don't care if McDonald's offered me that kind of money to come and like recruit for them. I'd be there tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? But so that's like that, only valid that if that couldn't have been matched by LSU. But, but would we know you rather, LSU thought they had him. So you, we know but, they would have matched that. What if I you didn't would want to coach at LSU? Louisiana over what, Southern Cal all day. What, do you, all what day. if he didn't want to be at LSU? Or that wasn't where he wanted to be? Well, he should have told his agent before they got done to all those negotiations. I mean, I like, I like the Southern Cal move. Okay. I think that's smart. I think that's smart, especially with the playoff expansion that's coming. I also think that both Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley leaving their teams uh, with outside shots of the playoffs is such a well. Riley bad didn't because they can't win the they they well, lost this weekend, so they they okay. But that contract was in place beforehand, so if they won, guess who was still going? No, stinks to stink. You they can't. Probably we they probably just wouldn't have announced it yet. I don't you know. know but saying? Like we the, had this contract details at like eight o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning. So, so there's zero percent chance. So we do think that. So all this said, Oklahoma, um, USC made the best hire of anybody, mm-hmm. and LSU made the second best hire. Like they hired the best two coaches available, right? I think 
I think nobody is better coaches here. Right. We'll did see. You make, we'll did see. you hire the best coach or did you hire the best fit for your program? And I think that those are two different answers. If you want to vote on who, who hired the most established coach, then yes. No, just USC best. Did. I don't want to say best. I, I, I want to say the best coach. Like, what is if the you, criteria if you, for best? If you, if I would have asked you a week ago to give me your top 20 college football coaches, to hire and for just, my program. No, or... just your top coaches. Like Saban's mm-hmm. one, Dabo's two, Kirby's three. Like whatever you're whatever you're doing there, right? Mm-hmm. Like however you're ranking that. Mm-hmm. Is Lincoln Riley at the top of, no. of the coaches that were available? Well, I didn't know it was available, but he is in the right. top 10. He's not in my top five. He's in the top 10. That's fine. Yeah. So is anyone else that got hired this cycle in your top 10? No. All right, then Lincoln Riley's number one, right? And then Brian Kelly's in your top 20. Is anybody else in your top 20? Like those were the best two coaches out there. Now, it could be that in five years, Billy Napier is better than both of them. I'm yeah. not trying to crap on and, Napier, and I'm not but he's a complete dice that, roll. Like, that he's a dice a com- roll, I, yeah. but I think it's I think that he – I don't think Lincoln Riley or, or Brian Kelly is a good fit for Florida. Therefore, I think that – but I can't say that Billy Napier is not a good fit for Florida. I, it is true that I also can't say that he is. I love everything I've heard. I haven't seen anything, but – I can say with certainty that Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley would not be a good fit. I think Lincoln. I think Lincoln Riley would have been. I think Lincoln Riley would have been. I don't think he's competitive enough to. I might maybe maybe a week ago would have told you that it was a better fit, but after this move, he's not. He's not a competitor, and I I don't want somebody who is not a competitor. And he. He, he might just hang. like money. He might just like cash. But he could have gotten that. He could have gotten that. Do you say that? But like, who knows? Like I don't. But know. LSU don't, just paid Brian Kelly, and they wanted him, so they would have. So to I me, you're know. saying you're saying that was a desperation. Maybe they didn't offer Riley the same thing. They Maybe did once they offer got Riley. I know that they offered Riley, and I know what they offered Riley. I talked to LSU boosters that are involved in these uh, contract I don't negotiations. Trust, they I don't legit trust I don't trust any that of this they got left stuff. at the altar. Okay. I don't trust any of this back channel stuff. So. Um, and that's all. That's the only way they do it in Louisiana. What What I am interested in is. Um, how long it takes Napier to kind of turn things around, how patient UF will be. Um, you know, I do think that the talent gap um, with Florida and the elites of the SEC has grown wider and wider. And one thing we didn't talk about with Mullen is I think one of the biggest issues is you said they were punting on third and 25, um, may have been punting on like third and 25 with 10 players on the field because, or because, um, recruiting had had really slipped to at uf and so you know i think the uf you know not to not to justify the hire or the fire or say that they made the right decision but i think their thought was well he's already slipping and recruiting's gonna get worse like our talent gap is getting wider and so that that gap between like florida and georgia is is getting wider this year georgia's gonna sign the a top five class again mm-hmm. and florida is gonna be trying to get inside the top 20 and transition classes typically aren't very good Right, uh, they don't pan out right. super well, um, so I kind of wonder that. I also think that the the gap between Florida and Florida State has closed a little bit. If Florida State can um, pick up the class that they're currently at, like currently ranked at twelve or thirteen, uh, you know, a couple of five stars in there. So I, I do wonder, you know, how long of a turnaround it, it is for him. Like, are they patient? 
you know, if well, if, Florida fans aren't patient. If you've learned right. anything this past season, it's that Florida fans are not so, patient. The answer is whether or not the administration is patient, because Florida fans will not be patient. That's not no. the way that they're wired. And I hope so, somebody warned Napier of that prior to taking the job. He seems to have done a lot of research, so I'm sure they. So have. I think um, I think eight and four would be really good for Florida next year. So is my early take on this. I think it's a tough schedule. Um, Playing at Utah first, you have to go to Tallahassee. That was a three-point yeah, game. I mean, I'm not worried three. about Tallahassee, but Utah could be a tough one. Um, Texas A&M is on the schedule again. I mean, um, you know LSU every loss, year, obviously. Right, taking a loss um, in Jacksonville. So, yeah, I think it's I tough. Don't, I, don't, I know. You'll predict you guys I don't go 12 really think that, but, but I know. Um, but here, this is what I will tell you. The interesting situation is I don't know how much stability there is with UF's administration, right? There, um, I think that Florida's president will end up retiring. I want to say potentially in May, but within the next year, um, we don't know how things are going to play out with Scott Strickland and these women's basketball stuff. So that could be a factor because if there is a new president and a new athletic director, I think that just it's nature to give the the new guys to give the the retained coaches less of a leash than maybe the guy that hired them would. So I think that that will in some way factor in there. If Strickland's there, then Napier probably has a, a longer leash than if Strickland is replaced. I think he probably has realistically four years to do something impressive. Um, it doesn't mean that he has to win a national title in four like years. Making an SEC, but. I, I kind of think it's winning an SEC, but it's for sure at least getting Ooh. to an SEC. And those aren't my standards. Those are that's that's going to be the heat that he's under. I also think it depends on what the progress looks like, right? Do you come in year one and get to the SEC championship game, Probably and not. then like, well, just hear me out, and then I know, I'm just saying, <laughs> you, year two, three, and four are worse. Like I. I honestly think even if the trajectory is slow, as long as it's in the right direction that you're you're doing some good things, it's when it's like Dan Mullen was where it's like this, that that's where yeah. your leash gets really short. I'm so interested I don't know, to see his I mean, record. Florida fans are insane. And yeah. college football is a what have you done for me lately sport. So win or get replaced is basically the way that these top programs operate under. I don't necessarily agree with it, but he's not going to have, you know, a decade to fix things. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, um, I mean, typically Georgia's like the measuring stick, right? If you're beating Georgia, then you're probably going I mean, to Atlanta. If you're not, then you're, season's kind of worthless, right? If you're not going to Atlanta, like, I mean, that's been the measuring stick for like the last four years prior to that Florida won like 23 of 26. So I don't, I mean, that might be the measuring stick at this exact moment. That's not historically the measuring stick. Right. And we're talking about like what's happening right now. So I think that makes sense. You know, I think that, um, okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if he goes 0 4 against Georgia, he's gone. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it what, it doesn't matter what happens against Florida state. I mean, obviously if you go on floor there too, you're, you're out, but like, yeah, I mean, He's going to be measured against what he does against the elites right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, yeah. that's the, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if he can beat Utah game one. It's can he beat Georgia? Right. Yeah. And I think he get, probably gets a pass year one. But sure. if, he gets blow, sure. if he gets blown out by Georgia year two, like people will start to whisper. If he loses mm-hmm. again the third year to Georgia, he's probably gone. Like, that's probably it. You know, like you can't go in three against them because that means you're not competing for titles if you're not. Right. So, right. Anyway. I mean, the right. bar's not. So. 
I'm here for it. I'm here to have this coaching talk again with you in three years, and hopefully you guys make a splash higher than somebody like a Brian Kelly or something like that. We'll see how it goes. But I mean, I it is. I guess it's okay to, you know, I guess I'd rather this than be a program that's just okay with mediocrity. Guess you got to do what you got to do. We'll see yeah, I how. Um, I got a whole year to lie about what's going to happen um, with Florida State and Florida now. So, all right, cool. We will talk next week. We'll be back to talk. We didn't even talk the playoff tonight, but yeah. You know, what is the, the rankings? I don't even know. The rankings probably, came out tonight. I got to pull it up. Hold on. Georgia one, Michigan two, Alabama three, Cincinnati four, Oklahoma so, five, Notre Dame six. I just Oklahoma want to point State. out. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Uh, Brian Kelly left Cincinnati when they were 12 and 0 to jump to uh, Notre Dame. And I do think that it's ironic that sometimes you lose them the way you got them. And here he is making the jump and – Notre Dame may literally have an interim head coach in the playoffs with just a few little tweaks going on. I don't think they're going to get it. I don't think they're. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But the fact that that's a, a possibility is pretty crazy, insane. Yeah. Um, Georgia's winning all this year. That's all I got to say. So at least I can cheer for them. So all right, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for hanging out. Going old still.